Hello and welcome to the Interactive Investor Podcast, where we discuss matters of investment interest. I'm Richard Hunter, Head of Markets, and in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Mark Mobius, the founding partner of Mobius Capital Partners. Prior to launching Mobius Capital Partners, Dr. Mobius was employed at Franklin Templeton Investments for more than 30 years, most recently as Executive Chairman of the Templeton Emergings Markets Group. During his tenure, the group expanded assets under management from 100 million US dollars to over 40 billion US dollars and launched a number of emerging market and frontier funds focusing on Asia, Latin America, Africa and Eastern Europe. His career and influence has earned him numerous industry awards and he has authored several books. Dr. Mobius has also been a key figure in developing the international policy for emerging markets. But we're not here to talk about the Mobius Investment Trust today. We recently covered that in another podcast with Mark's colleague, Carlos Hardenberg, but rather Mark's new book, which is called The Inflation Myth and the Wonderful World of Deflation. So firstly, Mark, a very warm welcome to you. And thank you for spending some time with us. Well, thank you. Nice to be with you. Now, the book, I have to say, is a fascinating read. Um, But given your well-known and well-recognized expertise in emerging markets, what prompted you to write this particular book? Well, you know, during the history of my investing in emerging markets, I found that uh, inflation was always a topic of great concern. Uh, And of course, uh, I was in Brazil at one point where inflation was running at 2000%. Uh, So the idea of looking at inflation in terms of how to invest in these countries was very much in my mind. It's interesting that at the time when uh, Brazil was running at 2000% inflation, uh, I landed at Rio de Janeiro airport, met my Brazilian friends. And I said, gee, you know, 2000% inflation. Uh, They said, yes, isn't it wonderful? I said, what do you mean? They said last week it was three thousand percent. So <laughs> it's it's all all a matter of uh, comparisons. And I began to realize that a lot of government policies, of course, you know, in the U.S. and in Europe and developed countries, inflation is always the center of attention. So uh, central banks will say, "Gee, if inflation is uh, too high, then we're going to uh, raise interest rates, or we're going to restrict money supply." So major decisions affecting millions and millions of people are determined by these inflation numbers. And when I began to look more closely at this, for example, in Brazil, I think even now they have four or five different inflation measures. And in some countries, of course, they were manipulating, as I point out in the book in Argentina, they were trying to manipulate the inflation numbers. In fact, the head of the department measuring inflation was fired and was almost put in jail for putting in numbers that the government didn't like. So this is the kind of thing that got me very interested in looking at this whole area. So, of course, one of the aims of the book is to debunk some of the inflation myths. Could you give us an example of of one of these inflation myths? Well, the first is uh, just measuring inflation is based on a so-called basket of goods. And what they do, uh, the inflation measures, they go and do a survey asking people, what do you buy and how much do you spend on this or that, different categories of products? Well, the first thing is that obviously, if you ask somebody how much you spend on gambling or how much you spend on drugs, illegal drugs, 
they're not going to tell you. So the basket is already at the initial stages quite distorted. The second thing is that this basket is constantly changing. If you go to the 1950s, a radio was a big item on the uh, basket, the, the purchasing a radio. Today it's a television set. These are two different items. One is no longer in the basket because it's so insignificant. So uh, you can see that over the years, there's been tremendous changes in the basket. So the question is, how can you compare inflation today compared to inflation in 1950 when you had a completely different basket? So this is just one of the many, many other discrepancies that I point out in my book. And why do you think, you, you've briefly, briefly mentioned it already, but why do you think that governments and indeed central banks are, are quite so obsessed with inflation? Well, the inflation numbers are used by governments to regulate things like social security payments. In fact, in my book, I mentioned the Boskin uh, group uh, in the US who were examining the whole idea of inflation whether it was overestimated or underestimated. And this uh, had the implications of uh, millions and millions of dollars in social security payments. So if the inflation rate was higher, then they'd have to pay out more. So the governments were very, very interested in, in these kinds of measures uh, because it means dollars and cents and has a big impact on the budget. But the most important thing that I think uh, is uh, noted in the inflation numbers is that there's only one number that they use. And one number really does not reflect the incredible variety of behaviors that you see even in one community, needless to say, one country or people around the world. So it's obviously a very, very rough uh, measure and one that uh, creates a lot of problems and results in many government errors in terms of uh, not only security payments, but insurance payments and all the rest of it. I must admit, there was a few years ago, I, I remember one measure of inflation in the US, which basically excluded energy and, and also food. And it was known as the cold and hungry index on the basis that <laughs> it, it wasn't a re realistic reflection of, of what the guy on the street was, was spending their money on. So, so why are the method, methods of measuring inflation unreliable and again as you have alluded to in some cases actually and deliberately false. Exactly and that's why I say I think the whole idea should be thrown out the window and uh, we should look at other factors when trying to measure the impact on people and one of the most important elements in my book is uh, when I talk about the incomes of people compared to the so-called inflation rates. And the interesting, and this is, by the way, preliminary information that really has to uh, be done in even more detail, but I looked at a number of countries around the world, Japan, the US, India, China, and so forth. And I found that over a period of time, uh, the wages, the average wages, again, averages, I don't tell the whole story, but if we're gonna talk about average inflation, let's talk about average wages. What I found that average wages surpassed that of the inflation numbers. So in other words, people were, uh, in one case, I think it was in Japan, the wage increases were about the same as the increase in inflation as measured by the government. So if that's the case, people are not really being disadvantaged by a high inflation rate because their wages move up in line 
with what the so-called inflation rate is. So it, it, my thinking is that uh, this is something that we should not uh, get so concerned about. Which leads us nicely on um, to the other half of the title of the book and the wonderful world of deflation, which of course is core uh, to, what, to what you're saying. Now, can you just remind us initially why deflation in it today has negative connotations? Well, I think this is just uh, purely as a result of the economists who found a direct relationship between uh, inflation and economic growth. I mean, assuming that economic growth is something that you want in a country, then uh, let's try to engineer. This is the way the economists think, or at least some economists think, let's try to engineer a growth. So the, if there's a relationship between inflation and GDP growth, why not uh, try to stimulate inflation? So that's the reason why you've come up with this uh, 2% number. I don't know whether you realize that uh, many of these central banks around the world target an inflation rate of 2% because that is correlated with uh, so-called higher GDP numbers. And what I'm saying in the book is that this is not uh, a necessary condition. It's not really a good way to uh, stimulate growth because growth is going to come in any case as a result of innovation and technology. And what we're going through now throughout the world, and this is something that is particularly salient in emerging markets, is an incredible increase in productivity as a result of technology. And this is driving the prices of goods and services down. So we're living in an incredible age uh, where things are really getting better as a result of technology. Which obviously goes uh, uh, some way in explaining why, why you are definitely of the opinion that deflation is actually a good thing. Is it purely down to that uh, increased productivity and advances in technology? Or perhaps are there other things in play that we should know about such that deflation is not something to be feared? Well, you must remember, what does deflation mean? It means lower prices, lower costs, a smaller percentage of your income going into the things that you want to buy. If that's the case, it's a good thing. But of course, economists fear that uh, deflation, a lowering of prices, uh, would mean a lowering of the growth rate of a country. And of course, uh, that I would contend is uh, just, uh, just not true. A country is going to grow as a result of its technology at the same time as lowering the costs of goods and services. So uh, deflation has gotten a bad word from economists because of this thinking that they have of the relationship between inflation and economic growth. So I think we've all got to get used to the idea uh, that we are in a deflationary world and should be happy about it. Yeah, that's right. And, and of course, a, a, another concern has tended to be around deflation in, in the traditional sense that people seeing falling prices are reputed to be sort of delaying spending decisions on the basis that they might see prices fall further before making a purchase of whatever the good or services may be. How much of a factor do you, do you think that actually is? That's a very good point, because that's one of the big arguments that economists have against inflation, deflation. And uh, the reality is that, uh, yeah, people will delay purchases if they believe the next product 
is not necessarily going to be cheaper, but is going to be better. So you'll find people waiting for the next iPhone uh, and uh, delaying their purchase of the current iPhone. But that doesn't mean iPhones are not being sold. They're being sold, but there many people may waiting for the next iteration where they're still using the, the current iPhone. So I think the argument that people will delay purchases and therefore push down uh, the economic growth rate uh, just, just doesn't hold. People will still be buying. And in fact, they may be even buying more if prices are down, they'll be able to afford more. I guess from what you're saying that um, deflation sounds like it's here to stay. And the sooner that we get used to that, the better. And in fact, embrace the fact that it's a, a reflection of, of advancement in, in both technology and indeed productivity across the globe. Exactly. So instead of measuring inflation, I believe governments should be measuring technological growth. Uh, in other words, what are we doing to uh, inculcate in our citizens, in our people, particularly among the young people, how they are going to innovate and change and increase the technological advancement of the country? Uh, of course, that gets back to measurements of, in, of, of intelligence, of education, of many other factors. So we should be measuring these things rather than uh, the inflation. Fantastic. Unfortunately, that, that's all we've got time for. That, that's been a, a really insightful conversation and a fascinating read. Um, as I mentioned, that's um, Dr. Mark Mobius. And we've been talking about the wonderful new book of his, which basically looks at the inflation myth and the wonderful world of deflation. And thank you also for listening. Do join us next time for another Interactive Investor podcast.